0: Now, I I met a couple of folks before service who were here for the first time, and and there are probably more of you that are here for the first time. And if you're here for the very first time today, I want to say congratulations. You arrived on a Sunday, I'm talking about money. It's like, well done. Then I want to say, we're not that church. It's okay, relax, breathe. In in this series, Transformed, what we're looking at is we're looking at how God's Word gives us guidance and direction to transform so many different areas of our lives. And so we have come today to, we're starting week six, and then those of you who've got the the workbooks, um, today started Bible readings that will be along this theme of transforming your financial lives. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, we are, or Monday, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Wednesday night, we'll be having Bible studies, whichever one works for you, where we'll be looking at some more teaching on this same theme. So we're looking at transforming your financial health today. Fact is, Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell half of the parables he told were about money. If you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you will find that it works out that one in every six verses in those Gospels is about money. It's an important part of our lives. And for some of us perhaps here this morning, it's a very stressful area of our lives right now. But but money's an important thing because it 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 really can be used in a very positive way or a very negative way. We can use money to support great things that are happening. Or we can use money to finance the bad things that we're involved with in our lives. But the fact is, if we don't learn to manage our money, our money will manage us. And the Bible gives us some guidelines there. I, I, how, how many of you enjoyed algebra when you were at school? Well, I want to tell you this. You're wonderful people, but there's something strange about you. <laughs> but with some of you, I knew that already. Anyway. <laughs> how, how many of you have had, found it great, very useful in life that you did algebra at school? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, me neither. But here's, here's the thing. I've heard this said so many times lately. It would be far better if they taught kids how to manage money. You know, how to budget, how to look after their bank accounts. It would be far more practical. They don't do that in school. But the Bible does give us some guidelines For that, and that's what I want us to look at today. Because it takes a lot of us a long time to get to a place where we can learn how to be financially healthy. And the truth is, today, most Americans are not. They're living on a knife edge and living on their nerves where money is concerned. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, this is the key verse for us for this series. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently about things. Let God transform your minds. And what we're going to look at this morning is is a different way of thinking about money. In fact, it's the clean opposite to what normally people this world might think about it. So here's what I want to say. If anything that you hear from me today seems a little bit hard to swallow, I want you to ask yourself one question, okay? Just one question. Is it in the book? Right? Is it in the book? Because if it's in here, it's God's truth, it's God's word, and it's God's plan for us. Now, I said earlier on, I just want you all to just just relax, will you? I'm not talking about your giving. I'm not talking about your tithing. Uh, if you're new to us, we don't receive an offering here. Uh, we let folks know how they can give and where they can give, but we don't pass the bucket. It's okay, all right? That's not how we roll, and as I said, we are not that church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about biblical principles for managing our money. Did you know that, that financial issues are one of the top reasons for divorce? And sadly, for so many couples in America today, marriage becomes till debt do us part. And when the pressures and stresses of finances being out of whack hit, the marriage suffers. So I want to I start by suggesting to you four things not to do with your money. Here's what four things the Bible says we shouldn't do with our money. Number one, don't waste it. Luke 15, 3, Jesus talking. Not long after that, the younger son, it's the parable of the prodigal son that many of you will be familiar with. The younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Right after that, in Luke 16, verse 1, Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. We need to be careful about wasting our money. Now, let me just say this. That's very subjective, isn't it? What's a waste and what's not? Right? It's like, Roger, you really paid $60 for that? This is a shacket. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's a mixture between a shirt and a jacket, right? You really paid? S- All right, if you want more fashion tips, just follow me. If, but but you, 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 you paid $60 for that? What away. So Well, I didn't pay anywhere remotely near $60 for it, but not vaguely near. But, but you know what I mean? Someone, someone, to someone... It's worth it for them to buy a particular item. It's subjective. To them it's worth it. It might not be worth it to you, mind your own business. Right? (laughs) Right, it might might not be worth it to them. Okay, so here's here's the thing. By the way, some of you are gonna go away with the fact he he wears a $60 shirt. Uh, So let me clear the air, it costs $9. All right. Some of you are going to say you were robbed, but leave me alone. Don, uh, what was I talking about? So, but 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 you know whether a thing is worth it or not, what's wasting money or not is, is 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 very subjective. It's it's so so. Here's what I want to suggest to you: if you want to make sure you're not wasting money, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. All right. Other people's opinions don't matter except your spouse. But but the fact is, if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit kind of just checking and making you uncomfortable, just listen to him. So number one thing not to do is don't waste it. The second is don't love it. Don't love it. Jesus said this in Luke 6 and verse 13, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Both of those guys, and we're not necessarily talking about money per se, maybe the stuff that money buys we're talking about. You know, what's going to be foremost in your life? What's going to be most uh, uh, significant to you? What are you going to give priority of place to? Is it going to be the stuff and the things in your life, or is it going to be God? And the fact is, if our Christian life gets pushed out by other things, it means that our priorities are that other things are more important than God. 1 John 2.15, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Amen. Be careful. Don't waste money. Don't love money. Here's another one. Don't trust it. Don't trust it. The center of our lives needs to be something that is immovable, something solid, something we can stand on. And there's only one thing that you will never lose, and that is the love of God for you. That's what we stand on. That's what we center our lives on. How about that? You can never change the love of God for you. But, but, but what if I go wandering off? God's still your father. What if I really, really mess up? Can't break the relationship. We can never stop God loving us. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: 28. Those who trust in their riches will fall. Wow. Proverbs 23 and verse 5 tells us this. Riches disappear in the blink of an eye. Wealth sprouts wings and flies off into the wild blue yonder. One of the things we need to recognize is we can't build our lives on stuff. If I've got this, I'll be secure. If I've got that, I'll be secure. If I've got the other thing, I'll be secure. Listen, how many of you find out life changes? Life changed. That's why it's unwise to gamble on the future by getting into serious debt. Because if you take on debt, say, yeah, I can afford to pay that, but you're gambling on the future. If everything stays the same, you might be able to afford to pay that. Can you guarantee everything will stay the same? Nope. No. Nope. Don't trust money. Trust God. Trust God. And then the, the fourth thing I want to say about and this is just the introduction, all right? I'm warming up. I haven't been up here for four weeks. So I'm just warming up here, okay? The fourth thing is this. Don't expect money or what it buys to satisfy you. You will never find lasting satisfaction in stuff. John D. Rockefeller was the... Uh, Founder of of the huge Standard Oil Company years ago. He was actually the first billionaire in the USA. And at one time was actually the richest man in the world. And a reporter asked him one day, said to him, Mr. Rockefeller, so how much money is enough? And Rockefeller replied, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Money, possessions, will never satisfy. If I just had a house, if I just had that kind of house, you know what? Everything would be good. No, it won't. Because once you settle in that, there's always a better house and a newer house and a bigger house that comes along. If I could just get my dream car. But once the new car smell wears off, and you've got to get the first repairs done on it. It's like a piece of junk this is. <laughs> Don't expect possessions to satisfy. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Luke 12, verse 15, take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Don't expect money to satisfy. So if those are some of the don'ts about money, what are are some of the do's? How should we manage money God's way? I'm glad you asked because that's what I want to tell you. How do do we manage money God's ways? Okay, three things. Number one, recognize everything belongs to God. Recognize everything belongs to God. In 1 Corinthians 10, 26, it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, some of you know the Bible pretty well would say, I thought one of the Psalms said that. It does. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. In fact, that phrase occurs five times in the Bible. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to God. Now, now here's the point at which Transforming our minds takes us from thinking the way most people think to thinking the way God wants us to think. God owns everything. What I have, God entrusts to me. Some folks say, well, I don't, you know, I worked hard. Give me some credit. I worked hard for what I've got. I put a lot of work and effort and years into this. I, you know, I, I, I worked long hours to do this. Who do you think gave you the breath and the ability to work the long hours? Hello? Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Remember, it's God who gives us the ability. Everything we have, Book of James tells us every good and perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights. Everything we have comes from God, and everything there is belongs to God. About 30 years ago now, a long time ago, some friends of ours said, hey, do you want to come out to lunch after service on Sunday, and we're going to go, I think we're going to Giorgio's out, Sound Avenue. And uh, said, you want to go out there? We, we'd like to take you and the family. And uh, Jonathan and Charlotte were both living at home with us then uh, after college. And um, said, yeah, that would be great. So after church, we're chatting. I said, you know, I said, okay. So uh, I'd never been to Georgia. So I had no idea where it is. In fact, once you get on the Sound Avenue, it's, to me, it's like I've gone into another world. I don't know what's down there. But anyway, so I said to him, well, we'll follow you. Then he turned around. He was driving a red convertible Mercedes. And then he turned around and he tossed the keys in Charlotte's direction. Said, hey, let the kids take the car. We'll ride with you. And I think they drove that day with this glorious combination of superiority driving this car (laughs) and terrified that I do something with it. And there was this kind of combination of, hey, look at me, I'm driving a convertible Mercedes. And and like, I better not crash this thing. Because they were enjoying it, but it wasn't theirs. Listen, God gives us everything we've got, but it's still His. It's still His. And there needs to be an awareness that what we are blessed with is entrusted to us by the Lord. It's not ours, but it's for us to manage. Everything belongs to God. 1 Samuel 2 verse 7 says this, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. It's God. Everything comes from God. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, God gives us richly all that we need for our enjoyment, all right? I, God wants us to enjoy life. He gives us the means so that we can enjoy life. We need to look after the means that He gives us to make sure we maximize what God intends it for. Everything belongs to God, okay? Second thing, second thing I want to say about uh, transforming our financial lives we need to realize money is given to us for a purpose. Realize money is given to us for a purpose. You know you've heard people misquote the bible verse they say money's the root of all evil. No it's not. Money is money. Leave it alone. It never did you any harm. What you did with it might have done you harm. But money never did you any harm. It's just paper bills or coins. It's no 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 money isn't evil. Money's nothing. Money's stuff. It's a thing. It's not good or bad. It's what we do with it that matters. And with what God entrusts us to, we can help do great good or we can destroy our own lives and the lives of others. It's just a tool. There's an interesting expression Jesus uses in John 16, uh, Luke 16 and verse 9, where he says this I tell you, use worldly wealth. That's an interesting word. Use worldly wealth. Money is given to us for a purpose. What we have, God wants us to use. The Bible tells us that we should love one another. We should love people. And it tells us we should use money. The trouble is some people get that totally the wrong way around. And they love money and they use people because they want money and they want to get more things. So people are simply stepping stones to what they want. That is not God's way. Money is given to us for a purpose. All kinds of ways in which we can do good. 1, Tim, 1 John 3 in verse 17 says this, If someone who is supposed to be a Christian has money enough to live well and sees a brother in need and won't help him, how can God's love be within him? Everything that comes my way is not for me. What comes my way is for, is, is, is for a purpose. And sometimes the purpose is it comes into me and it actually goes out to someone else. That's the purpose for which God gives it to me. It's not all given to me so that I can use it all for me. And the fact is God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people many times. The tragedy of living in the USA in 2024 is is that so many believers, and, and, and I'm not saying this in a negative condemnatory way. I want to try to help you today. So many believers carry so much debt they can't entertain some of the positive purposes that they would love to be able to direct money towards. It's like I'm struggling to keep my head above water, Raj. I'd love to be able to do this. I'd love to be able to go there. I'd love to be able to help this person, but I'm barely making it by myself. And if one of the reasons you're barely making it by yourself is because you're carrying a heavy load of debt, I'll tell you the first step to getting out of debt Stop it. Stop spending money that you don't have. You've got, you've got, you've got to stop the rot somewhere. But you know, I, I need to do this. Hey, sometimes we need to take a real good look at our lives and our commitments and where we're spending our resources and redirect things. So, here's a question. Where is the financial road you are on leading you? Where is it going to take you? Now, a lot of people get in a position where they'd rather not think about that. It's like, I don't see any way, I'm not sure what I can do. But, but the hole becomes deeper and deeper. But it's important to ask the question, where, where's this leading? Where's it going to go? You can't adopt a Bob Marley approach to money. Every little thing's not going to be all right. (laughs) It's not going to be. Here's what Proverbs 14.8 says. The wise man looks ahead. The fool attempts to fool himself and won't face facts. Where will this road take you? How can you get on a better track? Are there hard financial facts you are unwilling to face? How will you get out from under a crushing load of debt? And if the first word is stop, the second word might be simplify. Simplify. You've got to stop doing some of the things you're doing you've got to stop spending money in some of the directions you spend money. Well, I don't know if I can manage that. You know, I need this and I need... And, and it's like, dear Lord, we fall into this trap of what I need, I need, I need. You know, I think we've, we've gone away from what The Bible says, if you've got food and clothes, be happy. I need... Well, you know, I've got so much, the kids need so much. All right, this is a grumpy old man talking now, All right. All right. Let me tell you what your kids need most. You. You. They don't need you unhappy. They don't need you in a bad state because you're so anxious about where finances are. They don't need you wound up, and they probably don't need a whole bunch of things that you think are essentials. They can probably wait till they're eight to get the iPhone 15. <laughs> okay. If any, in case anybody misunderstood, I was not advocating that eight years old. All right. Okay. No, they don't. You gotta pull it. I guess because I I grew up pretty poor, right? We didn't have a lot, so I was used to. Hey, mom, could, could could I get this? No. And I think I turned out reasonably. Don't you comment? But I think I turned. I think I turned out reasonably well, right? And it's like it didn't. It didn't screw me up. At, well, in my opinion. How do you get on a better financial track? Stop. Simplify. I, w- I will remind you. One of the one, one one of the best Christian resources to help you with that is is definitely um, a lot of the information Dave Ramsey puts out. RamseySolutions.com is a great website that gives you some some guidance and some information there and instruction that you might find to be really helpful. I know some in, in our church family have. Um, in days gone by and they've managed to get out of debt following the principles that he lays out there. Listen, money is given to us for a purpose and it's not to pay interest to credit card companies. Make a plan. In fact, Proverbs 16.9 says this, we should make plans counting on God to direct us. Transform your financial life. Number one, recognize everything belongs to God. Number two, then realize money is given to us for a purpose, a God-given purpose. And then number three, let me remind you of this. Remind yourself of the best investment. Matthew 6 and verse 20. Stockpile treasure in heaven stockpile treasure in heaven some folks kind of you know now and again say well there's probably going to be a lot of people in heaven who are going to be grateful to God for you and for your years of ministry and I remind them ministry isn't a one person show It is a whole group effort. And every one of you can look forward to a day when you arrive in heaven and there are people waiting to greet you And they're ready and they're they're wanting to thank you because you supported the work of God. There was the means by which they found salvation and they came to the Lord Jesus Christ. The best investment of our finance is in God's kingdom and in spreading the gospel, sharing the good news about Jesus. That's the very best there is. That's one of the reasons why, you know, um, our sponsorship program in the Dominican Republic, where we sponsor these kids who go to the school in San Marcos. And, and we sponsored a few kids there over the years. Seems like just about every time I get down there, I see a, I see a, a really sweet kid who needs a sponsor. So says, yeah, I can do one more. I can do one more. You know why? Their education gives them the potential to have a way different life and living in the squalor they've been raised in. But it's more than that. When I see the child looking for the sponsor, I see a child who could have a foundation of godly principles laid in their lives while they're young. I see a young life that could find faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I see a kid that I expect to see in heaven one day. the best investment that we can make is in whatever way we do it, wherever we might do it, the very best investment is to invest in the kingdom of God. Because when we're investing in God's kingdom, we are storing up treasure in heaven. And whether it's in your support for the ministry here, whether it's helping other people who are sharing the gospel, you are storing up treasure in heaven. Jesus said, start doing that. Store up treasure in heaven. There's nothing that money can buy, nor can we take money itself to heaven with us. But what we can do is we can make regular deposits in heaven. We can store up treasure up there. And you know what the treasure is? The treasure is the lives that we've impacted because we've recognized God owns everything. It's given to us for a purpose. And the greatest purpose, the best investment, is to invest in people finding the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, folks is why I'm passionate in talking about money. It's because all the resources that are needed for what God wants for men and women are already in His church. But the sad thing is a lot of us have got those resources already committed and locked up and instead of giving us the joy of sowing into the lives of others we carry with us the burden of debt that is overwhelming recognize everything comes from god god's given us for a purpose and let's be wise stewards of what god has given to us when when i when i started going to church on on Sundays regularly. Um, I, was, I was a kid. I was like, uh, I don't know, nine or ten years old. My parents didn't go, but I wanted to go. And uh, before I went to church, every, every, every Sunday before I left the house, my, my mother would say, hey, you need something for the offering. And she'd give me a coin of some kind to throw in the offering. So she gave that to me because I didn't, you know, I was a kid, I didn't have money. So I did that. And I, I guess that pattern went on for years. And then my very first job, 15 years old, I had a summer job in a factory. It was awful. But I worked all summer in this wretched factory. And the very first Friday came. Now, way back when, some of you will not be able to imagine this, but way back when, what happened on a Friday was you got an envelope with money in it. And that was your pay. Not a check even. Didn't go direct to your bank account. You got an envelope with money in it. There were your wages for the week. And one of the greatest sources of happiness I had that summer was the very first Friday, going home, going to my room, opening the envelope again, because I checked it as soon as I got it to see how much I got, right? So opening the envelope again, doing a calculation in my head, working out 10% of this is X amount, and I put it to one side. And that Sunday, my mother said, you need something for the offering? I said, no, I'm good. And I took what was the tithe for me, and I put in the offering that Sunday, and I felt like I'd given a million dollars. You know, I really did. I felt like I'd given a million dollars. Why? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Everything we have comes from him. And his plan is that, number one, we should enjoy it. And number two, that we should sow into the lives of others. And the best investment we can ever make is sowing into people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Listen, it took most of us years and years and years to really get a hold of financial management. If it's taking you a few years. Listen, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God doesn't judge us, but God guides us so that our lives can be fully where he wants us to be. And if if, you, if, if you're looking to God to help you and guide you, number one, do those daily Bible readings on this same theme this week. And number two, join us for our Bible studies through the week because God wants to transform our financial health as well as every other area of our lives. Amen. Amen. We will leave it there for now. Let's pray together. And Father, I want to pray today for those that are particularly burdened, anxious right now about their financial situation. And God, I pray you'd give them some guidance. I pray, Lord, you'd give them the wisdom they need. And I pray, Lord, you'd give them the strength they need. And Lord, that you would set them free so they don't live under that stress. But they're free to enjoy everything you give them and to be a blessing to others too. Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's stand and sing with the band.